2012, government announced that it would launch a pharmaceutical manufacturer which its sole aim would be building active pharmaceutical ingredients manufacturing capacity in the country. Of course, given COVID-19, these shortages, as we know they exist, of APIs, that's active pharmaceutical ingredients, has highlighted deep vulnerabilities in South Africa's medicine supply chain. Almost all active pharmaceutical ingredients, APIs, used to be in the production of medicine in the country, are imported with the vast majority, of course, coming from China and India, who between them account for two-thirds of the world's population. This begs then the question, whatever happened to Ketlapela? Ketlapela, of course, was touted when it was spoken of as the state-owned entity or the state-sponsored entity that would build active pharmaceutical ingredients as a manufacturing process for making sure we don't run out of medical supplies, essentially. Well, the question to be answered is here, or the person to answer that question, rather, is Professor David Walwyn. Do I have it correct, Prof? Absolutely correct. Yes, you know it's it's a Welsh surname, and it's one of those surnames that Uh you can't say without feeling that you're swallowing your tongue. But um, yeah, you had it correct the first time. Might it mean you can speak Gaelic? (laughs) I wish. (laughs) (laughs) No, I can't. Um, I can speak English and Afrikaans. Oh, that's good. And 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 your first name is Songezo. Songezo. Oh, good. Okay, I've got it. Let's hear it. Songezo. Okay, I'll take that. It's Songezo, actually. It's a little quicker than that. But nonetheless, okay. what happened to Ketlapela? Let's get into the conversation. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it. And let's have a frank conversation about government's capacity to run companies. Would it have been able to run Ketlapela? Whatever happened to Ketlapela is the fact that Ketlapela is not even running a metaphor of what it might have become. So there's a lot of questions. Um, let me unpick it for you. Uh, I, I need to give you a little bit of background about Please how do. pharmaceuticals are made. Yes. So if you, if you don't mind, let me just start with that. So pharmaceuticals are made in three broad steps. The first step is that you take primary or basic chemicals. So it would be something like salicylic acid. Um, and th- you make those basic chemicals. And then you have to make the active pharmaceutical ingredient, which you do in a series of chemical reactions. And these are quite complex operations. And they require it's – a, it's a high-technology industry, basically. Mm-hmm. And then once you've made the active pharmaceutical ingredient, which might be something like acetyl salicylic acid, which is the key ingredient of aspirin um, – you would then formulate that into a pill. So essentially what you do there is you mix a whole lot of mostly dry powders, uh, m- uh, mix them very well in a, in a rotating circular mixer, um, and then you, uh, you press a pill out of the mixture, mm. and that gives you the formulated product. And so when we go to the, uh, to the chemist, we buy the formulated products. We're not really aware of what the active pharmaceutical ingredient is, um, and South Africa, I mean, we have very good uh, manufacturing capability in formulated products. So we have a lot of local suppliers who are able to produce pills and cough mixtures and liquid products. Um, but we don't have anyone really who's making active pharmaceutical ingredients. And I think the argument that came out recently was that if you think about pharmaceutical supply as an essential medicine or an essential service, 
Um, we're very vulnerable in this country. We have a lot of people, for instance, on antiretrovirals. I think five, more, about five million patients on antiretrovirals. Um, and if for some reason China and India were to stop supplying the APIs or the active pharmaceutical ingredients, we would be unable to dispense the, the medicines um, and there would be a big problem for our public health sector. Let's talk about health, public health in particular, as a human right. Of course, these are constitutional obligations, and there's a plethora of case law from the Constitutional Court that establishes exactly what these rights are. And we're looking at Section 27, of course. Do I understand you correctly, then, if you like, our national sovereignty as it pertains to health care could, in many respects, be at the hands of China and India to the extent that they are providing these APIs to this country. And if for whatever reason we would have a diplomatic row with them and they were to withdraw, if you like, their provision of these APIs, our health care as a nation would be severely compromised? Uh, yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, but it's not the only product um, on for which we depend on imports. Sure, sure. I um, so, yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. If for some reason China were to say we're no longer going to supply South Africa with APIs, uh, we would have a big problem because uh, we w- there would be no supplier. But, I mean, there, there, I guess there are other suppliers around the world who possibly could bring production on stream for a key ingredient. So it's probably... Uh, it's a little bit of an extreme argument to say that China would be able to exert um, influence over us as a sovereign country as a consequence of our dependence on China for APIs. Of course, then, this does speak to the need or certainly the credible argument why we could and probably should have our own production facility for the purposes of APIs because you've already made the concession that from the basic chemicals or the primary chemicals, South Africa is doing okay there. But absent the APIs, we obviously cannot be in a position to effect three of the whole value chain and that's to formulate these dry powders into a pill. It therefore begs the question, why would South Africa not be making those necessary investments in active pharmaceutical ingredients? Because there's a lot of IP that can be generated from that and this could potentially be a generator of good money for the state as well. Yeah, I mean it's very good to hear you say that because it's an argument it's a drama that I've been beating for a long time. Um, and I, I mean, my interest is in localization, and there are many arguments to support uh, local manufacture of pharmaceuticals, for instance. Um, I mean, as you said, we do have strong capacity in formulated products, um, but we have very, very weak capacity in APIs. And by growing that capacity, we would save foreign exchange, we would generate local jobs, we would increase economic output. Um, we would reduce reliance on international suppliers. There are all sorts of good reasons for doing it. Um, You know, I mean, I think the one argument against it is that we have not been very successful as a country in state-owned entities being able to undertake manufacturing cost-effectively, and, I mean, there are lots of examples of that. So people would argue that... um, the, this is yet another sector in which minimal state intervention or state um, ownership is required 
Um, and so you, that means you need to leave it up to the private sector to do. And, of course, the private sector, um, they have a risk-return equation which they need to constantly assess. And I think the argument is that manufacture of APIs is a very high-risk area um, and the returns are not there. So rather let the Chinese and Indians do it and make a very marginal profit on the manufacture of these APIs and we can then import them at rock bottom prices um, rather than trying to do it ourselves where we're only going to make it more expensive for the consumer. So, I mean, that's the counter argument. Um, and uh, I, you know, I think There's a sovereignty issue at play here, David. There's a sovereignty issue at play, and I'm not so sure if this just the economic argument, which is used as a counter to what you have been drumming for the longest time, is sufficient. Think about that, because I'm interested in also what the callers have to say in relation to this. Should the state make more investments in a pharmaceutical, Ketlapila, which they've talked about for close to 10 years now, for the purposes of active pharmaceutical ingredients manufacturing, which would then ensure that the country has the necessary pharmaceutical base to provide for at times like these without having to rely on China or India, do you think the South African medical fraternity is sufficiently capacitated to ensure that whatever state intervention takes place, it wouldn't compromise the nation's health? Your thoughts on that after the break. This is Health on Monday. Arguments for or against. Should the state have a pharmaceutical manufacturing company? This is a conversation that stems from what the state initially had touted as early as 2012, possibly even earlier, if you look at the ANC's policy in relation to the national drug policy, look at the 1996 paper in relation to that. What would be your reservations or what would be the reasons behind which you would support such a move? We are now in conversation with Professor David Walwyn, Graduate School of Technology Management at Tuckies, that's the University of Pretoria, also consultancy firm's director, that's the firm receiver. David, why would the counter-argument to what you have been drumming be so strong as not to move the nation to seriously consider even trialing a base manufacturing company in pharmaceuticals and assess the progress thereof or not? Because it's not just the money we could gain or potentially lose in the context of us doing it ourselves, but there are other social gains, political gains even, that South Africa could seriously bring home with doing it ourselves as opposed to relying on other nations. Your thoughts? Um, I'm a little bit... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm a bit speechless because I, I... That's exactly what I what I believe in. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, the counter-argument I was just putting forward to say that this is the counter-argument that is okay. put forward. Uh, so, uh, I mean, maybe just let me restate that. There's an, the argument is between trade policy and industrial policy. So trade policy would argue that it's better to import something because it's cheaper and you can cover more of, the, of your needs. So access is increased as a consequence of being able to dispense a cheaper product. Um, at, but industrial policy would argue that mm-hmm. uh, it's better to pursue industrialization and pay a little bit more even if it does restrict access to a certain extent. So, uh, you know, those are the two opposing camps in this argument. Um, and I've always argued for the industrial policy to say that that's, that's what we need to take care of because 
There's all sorts of issues there, including the ones that you've raised, which would be around sovereignty, security of supply, being able to um, to pursue a path of industrialization, um, growing the economy, making the economy more high technology or value added, all of those issues. Okay, let me just speak on behalf of those who speak in relation to trade policy. I'm just trying to create a debate here because for the most part I would certainly vouch for industrial policy. We're talking about creating 100 black industrialists. We're talking about protecting our national sovereignty. We are talking about meeting the demands, social demands even, of rapid and rising unemployment in this country and how Gitlapela, for instance, could not just create employment in this country, but the necessary innovations that may come from that, and we could be the next net exporter into the African market, given our proximity and the fact that in terms of regional integration and the emergence of the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, it would put us in pole position as a country to take this drug to the country, I mean to the continent. But from an economies of scale perspective, trade policy is equally important because if we were, for instance, to not consume these drugs from China and India, not only might it compromise our standing in BRICS, but China, who are not just in pharmaceuticals, but they're just about in every other trade or sector of the economy in South Africa, they might, if you like, start a trade war, not quite to the stale of um, President Xi and Trump, but they could certainly retaliate either with tariffs elsewhere or just stringent measures employed in other businesses. Would that then not be a strong enough argument to retain the status quo? I've never heard anyone state that argument. Um, look, I think that the Chinese imports are very diverse, um, and I I'm not sure that their APIs are such a significant part of their import into South Africa that they would be highly protective of that. But, I mean, having said that, um, the antiretrovirals procurement is about 5 billion rand a year, um, and a lot of the APIs for that, and APIs are about 70% of the cost of those products. Mm. Um, a lot of those APIs come from China. So if we take 5 billion rand a year, 70% of that is 3.5 billion rand a year, in in the form of trade, which then originates from China, and perhaps they would be protective about it. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's a good question. I'm not sure that uh, the Chinese would retaliate because there's probably a, um, a lot of slack in that um, arrangement in the sense that there are so many products um, that the Chinese are already importing into South Africa or exporting from China to South Africa. Um, but, it, you know, I, I think um, it's not only China, it's also India is very involved in APIs, and India does export into South Africa some of these APIs. Mm. Um, and so I, it would be an interesting, it would be interesting to see how this panned out if South Africa were to start local manufacture. On the basis of that last point, how might you be, potentially more emboldened in your position for why South Africa needs manufacturing capacity for the purposes of APIs when we have seen the re-emergence of the debate of African medicines. I mean, the position that Madagascar has taken in relation to the WHO for the purposes of Artemisia, what we refer to locally in this country as Mklonyana Elangane, how indigenous African medicines have not enjoyed, if you like, the prominence on the world's medicine stages 
of your more traditional Western drugs, would then that not lend itself from a South Africa's perspective, developing its own IP, developing its own indigenous knowledge systems, if we were to have a manufacturing facility of APIs among other medicine manufacturing facilities, would that not be useful? Does that not embolden your point? Uh, No, I think that's a very good point, and that's exactly what the Department of Science and Technology um, and now the Department of Science and Innovation has been attempting to do since 2007. So in 2007, they adopted this uh, 10-year innovation plan, and it had five critical missions in it. And one of those was what was called Pharma to Pharma, which is F-A-R-M-E-R to Pharma as in pharmaceutical. Um, and the, the argument was that we don't just need to make APIs based on imported technology and IP. We also need our own IP. We need to understand what the benefits are of traditional medicines um, and indigenous knowledge and then be able to benefit from that in the form of IP. So have a local pharmaceutical industry that's not just reliant on imported technology but also has its own mm. technology, its own base. Um, and, but I think it's a, you know, this is a long journey. I think there has been some progress. There were examples. Um, I, I work... I'm an academic, and so I'm going to talk in a little bit academic language, but it's this question of what we call socio-technical regimes or socio-technical relationships. Um, And these are very powerful and they're strong. And and so, for instance, even formulators in this country are reluctant to see local API manufacture because they have these very tight and powerful relationships with API producers in other countries. And so when I spent several years trying to um, establish local API manufacturing in South Africa. In fact, the opposition, I mean, some of the opposition mm. came from the Department of Health. It was in the years of Manti Shabalala and Simang. Um, some of the opposition came from National Treasury. Their concern was um, around that this is just another way in which the state coffers would be bled dry through inefficient manufacturing. Um, but a lot of the opposition That's actually came from existing pharmaceutical companies who uh, who didn't want local API manufacture. They oh, wanted to buy their API from the Chinese and the Indians because of all sorts of techno-economic relationships that they had with those suppliers. 2132, thank you so much, David Walwyn. It certainly is a sovereignty issue, if I can just read this last comment from Diekam Gobo. I think it should be for sovereignty's sake Although it will be expensive in the short term, in the long run, economies of scale will benefit us while the economy grows. That's an argument for why South Africa should invest in an API building facilities. Thank you then so much, Mr. Professor David Walwyn, Graduate School of Technology Management at the University of Pretoria and Director of Receiver, that is a consultancy firm, asking the question if whether or not the state should invest in the manufacturing of its own pharmaceutical active pharmaceutical ingredients. That's the viewpoint then, folks. Thanks for your time. Do stay tuned for the book reading as well as the Daily Soapy.